Chapter Four of the Death of Society, a novel of tomorrow by Romer Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Four. He was aware directly he entered the hall that Mrs. Ingman was there, and immediately sought her with his eyes. She was already seated at the long table upon Ingman's left at the farther end, which end alone was laid for supper a dozen candles made the centre of the hall a blaze of light and as he came out from behind the pillars to his place on ingman's right he half closed his eyes partly because of the light and partly the better to see rosa ingman the old man got up from the table with a napkin hanging from his waistcoat and welcomed him to supper with a handshake and now he said sitting down again we can eat which you will no doubt be very glad to do as he spoke he helped himself from a bowl of salt fish and spring salad and hilda pressed various dishes of eggs and savoury fish upon her guest beside whom she sat fill his glass said the old man and let him make himself welcome and as hilda obediently filled smith's glass from a big jug of iced light beer ingman filled his own with thin white wine when the men were served the women helped themselves and now you are at rosendall to which your curiosity led you said ingman and smith whose body was again beginning to fill with the most exquisite sensations of new passion from the presence of the woman opposite to him smiled with shining eyes and answered i consider myself a lucky man you should speak norwegian said the old man and smith found no necessity to ask why rosa has a great many things to say to you to me asked smith and his long face flushed with sudden joy as he looked into mrs ingman's eyes what elusive shadows and radiances passed across her cheeks and brow and chin in the candlelight emphasizing their delicate mature beauty her hair shone with all the tones of silk before it is woven her eyes by reason of the soft light seemed deeper and more blue and she was so quiet that the young man thought peace must lie within her like an unborn child the old man turned to his wife and said i told him you wished to talk to him and rosa ingman replied looking at smith it is so she smiled and though smith could not understand her words he dared to let her know by his expression that she had bewitched him she showed no sign that she found his information embarrassing or strange she appeared to think i am glad it is the most natural thing for men to love women whether these were her actual thoughts or not a new calm such as he had never yet felt came over him then a strong impulse to spring up and say you are human you understand me we are one which being subdued gave way again to the serenity of one who has the right to walk in heaven all this time natalia who sat beside her mother watched him narrowly and now putting her hand upon her mother's arm said he is my young man and laughed at smith who turned without any attempt to disguise his interest in rosa ingman and laughed back though he did not understand what she had said hush we do not know how much he understands said hilda to which natalia retorted because you are betrothed to axel you need not be a grandmother i prefer him a thousand times to that axle of yours please be quiet said hilda who had a great respect for her duty to her fiance and would not allow herself to hear a word against him well i know who i will be in love with at any rate cried natalia 
and laughed gaily at smith karin karin thou wilt laugh him into the woods said rosa ingman there i shall kiss him cried the young girl to provoke her sister who she considered had become prudish since she was to be married oh oh a man has come to the house winter is gone father she cried now in english let us open the summer-house to-morrow if mr rain smith will help you i will certainly help you said smith and saw himself laying aside his grave demeanour and exhibiting his agility in shirt-sleeves before the girls as he sprang for cherry and larch boughs to make a decoration we usually wait till st eric's day said hilda who did not altogether care to have the old customs changed well call to-morrow st eric's day said smith a little indulgently to the two young women at that moment they seemed very young to him mere children who knew nothing of love and war work and sin st eric's day to-morrow cried natalia to her mother the young man has fixed it and rosa ingman smiled at smith as if they two alone together understood the whole world does she appear to other people as i see her or has she an everyday exterior which she will never wear for me he asked himself and concluded that no doubt she had such a thing in her wardrobe upstairs a transparent gossamer affair which she would one day show him and say that is what i wear to the world he smiled in his mind at his power of invention to which love was already making him expert the servant ebba now brought in the roast chickens which she carved and served to the men first and mrs ingman last which reversal of custom smith felt put rosa ingman at a great advantage over them as if she were the hostess and mother of them all ingman had continental manners but how or whether mrs ingman ate the food before her smith did not notice and if he had been asked would have said she never touched her plate thus the illusion of divinity was not rudely broken for him the old man said no more until he had finished some large quantities of food but having done before the rest he sucked and picked his teeth and sat back rubbing his hands together in great satisfaction he continued to pick his teeth and drink sips of wine for some time during which the others ate in silence for when ingman's thoughts began to brew up toward conversation the rest felt themselves unable to say anything at last he wiped his mouth and broke the silence and as he spoke to smith in english the young man was bound to sit back and give him his whole attention so said ingman brandes has formed this international society in which the intellectuals are told they are not to set themselves up i believe so replied smith i have joined the london branch but i know little about it i meant to go to the clarté office in the rue Feydeau last time i was in paris a new corpse for the same old blood smith laughed and romain roland and barbousse continued ingman where is Vildrach? dead perhaps societies are very terrible things they kill first their distinguished founders the old man smacked his lips and shook his head the devil take me he muttered if ever i belong to a society for the improvement of my fellow-men smith was amused and laughed again old ingman who had drunk a good deal of wine leaned back and put his left hand in the bosom of his coat with his right he continued not infrequently to raise his glass to his lips still sucking his teeth with loud smacks from time to time he exclaimed in norwegian midnight sun's parade Cha! then in english that is what i ingman think of it all long shadows nothing but long shadows in unity there is strength but no intelligence 
an intellectual society is an impossible paradox this world is ruled by individuals sir he cried fiercely progress flows through the unconscious masses religions philosophical moral and political are mere excrescences each the off-sheddings of an era that is passing i profess none i am too ignorant in any but technical matters to presume to follow a rule of conduct i believe this i believe that no i believe nothing i am but an individual taking individual events in an individual manner i will not march through life to orders i consign these enlightened angelic clubs to hell societies i belonged to a hundred before i married rosa at one time i went without my dinner twice a week in order to forward intellectualism among the labouring classes now i let the world roll on as it may and keep myself in as good health as my age allows smith thought no doubt the old man is jealous of brandes ingman's prejudices seemed to cause him great irritation for presently he blew out his cheeks shook his head forward so that his hair moved and banging his right fist down on the table roared at smith in norwegian young man it is all wrong he continued again in english yes i have no sympathy with that kind of thing then suddenly he smiled and said quietly but perhaps you will say quite justly that i am merely prejudiced against a position my rival has been fortunate enough to capture brandes is a great man but in spite of him i must live on my own lines i am a recluse smith took out a cigarette and lit it at one of the candles which hilda approached to him and as he raised his eyes saw the bright glance of natalia fixed upon him what he said to himself have i taken her fancy but immediately banished the thought as he turned again to listen to old ingman well well said the old fellow engulfed with indigestion my daughters are tired of sitting here let us go with them into the family room and somebody will play or sing to us they all rose and went into the sitting-room which was now well lighted with candles and lamps the curtains were drawn close and exhibited beautiful embroideries of old-fashioned flowers lilies roses of a forgotten loveliness wallflowers and striped tulips in great profusion with arabesques of dark forget-me-nots to form a background smith who loved flowers passionately exclaimed to natalia what beautiful curtains they are very old said hilda going up to them and fingering the faded vermilion damask the mother of my mother embroidered them very old thought smith so rosa ingman came from the past and yet was not old herself thus she took on for him something of the immortal he said i wish they belonged to me and imagined his bedchamber hung round with them he spoke quite jealously and felt a sharp and keen desire to own them it was beyond imagination that they should ever be his nevertheless as he turned away he thought if i married one of these girls i should ask for them in a settlement he smiled marry a wife for two pairs of old curtains a man can get anything if he is willing to pay for it thenceforth however he looked upon them as a part of rosa ingman the old man set himself down in a chair near the stove for his after-dinner nap and sat there like an old overfed spaniel experiencing his dinner again smith stood aimlessly in the middle of the room finishing his cigarette and as he watched the two girls change the position of the candles and arrange the room for the evening his thoughts wandered away chasing a vision of mrs ingman through a hundred half-conceived imaginary scenes of the past like butterflies in this manner he began to fabricate legends about her 
presently natalia said will you play draughts with me mr rainsmith why yes he answered becoming alive again to the people around him i should like to but he lied for want of something to say you will have to teach me i can only play what we call french game french game asked natalia she spoke english with less accent than her sister more freely and with greater charm she seemed at least twelve years younger than himself very childish indeed he thought no doubt she had been educated in england but that could hardly be as the war must have lasted all her adolescent school days nevertheless he felt as if she belonged to his nationality and was not a foreigner like hilda whom he found more swedish than norwegian french game he said laughing and followed her to the cupboard where she kept the draught board that is where you lose all the time he felt they were at least cousins to one another how silly she replied and how difficult to wish not to win i always wish to win at everything you are quite right he answered even if you lose gracefully the gods don't pay your losses for you i only care to pay my losses when i am beaten by the better man and not by my own silly quixotism he seemed to have a little difficulty in following his words but pride apparently did not permit her to show it and a slightly tyrannical amusement made smith wish to talk to her as if she had complete command of english i am sure he said accordingly that you no more than i are imbued with a passion for that extremely ineffectual type of self-mortification i was in england she replied defensively knowing from his smile that he was teasing her during the whole war because my parents dared not fetch me across the sea now i shall never go to england again i hope she cried very loud and looked at smith as if she were defying him and the fates rash he said to shout it in the face of the gods like that she blushed and carried the draught-board to a little table in the window near the beautiful curtains and smith said aloud as if she knew his thoughts and therefore his words were of no consequence no woman no curtains what do you say she cried as he sat down opposite to her he made the best of his half-intentional remark i was thinking he said contrarywise to the fairy tales that in order to win those curtains i must win the princess first natalia turned and called to her mother in her own language mother give me those curtains i want them to catch a husband with and laughed provokingly at hilda smith laughed too because he guessed quite well what she was saying and thought he would pay her out so he remarked no curtains no husband natalia blushed to the roots of her hair and then laughed again saying but you don't understand norwegian i don't he replied seriously but i can take a joke against myself in good part i am sorry she said no need for that he murmured and looked straight into her eyes to assure her that he was perfectly sincere it was a long time since he had been in the society of girls and he found it charming though a little strange to talk with this young creature who seemed made of fragile delicate flesh and bones and to need his care against the world of men and women though she was so sprightly and could after a fashion hold her own with him he had no romantic illusions about women but here in this house the illusions of other men seemed incarnate and all those nonsensical attitudes of the old-fashioned woman worshipper to be justified as he looked at her however her eyes changed he saw that he was mistaken she was no china nymph but capable of all his passions and sins and he was assured again that this was the truth as she looked down and said quietly in a decisive tone that made him obey now i will teach you 
in two minutes she had given him enough idea to show that she was quite a fair player at the game which he had played so often and so unsuccessfully with bryce bryce had played draughts to perfection as he played billiards and poker and as once he had boxed smith wondered as he pretended to take instruction whether he would ever see him again odd dear old bryce the only man or woman he had found to care seriously for during the last two years though he was a liar and a selfish brute to all the world and to smith's good knowledge imposed regularly upon him yet conscience played some part in their relationship and he called smith the angel and gave him all his queer distorted confidence lethargically and with many laborious contradictions to afford the truth secure refuge now that he was happy his love for bryce suffered a recreation he wished to see him and to have him here in order to show him there was one place on earth where all were welcome all surely were welcome here he said forgetting that he ought not to know how to play draughts this reminds me of the many games i had with a man i knew called bryce natalia was aware that she was about to learn something interesting concerning the vitally interesting dark englishman before her and instinctively did not remark that he had given himself away he said making his moves without much thought bryce was hardly at first sight the kind of man you would care to meet his ways particularly with girls were distinctly unusual but he was as he said all right at heart he looked as if he bred bull terriers he was fat and short and muscular he had a thick neck that you couldn't have hung him by and a clean-shaven jowl bluish you know like a prize-fighter's you don't mind me yarning about him do you oh no please said natalia who was entranced to hear a man speak of men it was an approach to reality smith smiled as she thought in the most charming fashion and went on i have no gear of mine here and it kind of establishes me to talk about myself to you i saw bryce last standing on the quay at havre with his service cap on the back of his head his delicate pince-nez gleaming in the sun on his thin fine nose he had an extraordinary mixed face it was an emotional moment i was going away from the army forever a moment i had hardly credited to see though we all believed in it bryce had to stay behind only a few weeks but he thought it eternity if ever you fight a war miss ingman pray for god to dispense with an armistice bryce called me angel smith paused and looked at natalia as if he were willing to perceive the ghost he raised and to know that he was not a nomad without any ties i recollect as the boat drew out he said so long angel you damned lucky brute he had a lazy voice the laziest voice imaginable but i saw him wish to kill me i cried out rather heartlessly i fear bad luck ed his name was john edward if you see my girl he shouted tell her i don't worry i have never seen him since and of course not even chance itself could bring me in sight of his girl that was his mode of speaking he was an odd chap bryce but i liked him natalia had strained to follow all that he said and began to think him a wonderful oracular creature she sided with bryce at once against the universe there now he said i am beating you at your own game the memory of bryce brought back a feeling which he had had during supper it is all right all perfectly right he said to himself he recollected a few occasions on which it had previously come to him on it he based his reasons for an optimistic philosophy once he had felt it during a heavy advance when the blood of a friend had spattered him from head to foot 
once in the armistice with bryce in a broken-down cafe near the battleground and at a few other times he saw that cafe clearly now a beautiful peasant girl in a carmen blouse stood at the door with the sunny awning shading her figure like a picture by john bryce's remarks about her were not edifying she was not virtuous the inn was not clean but smith suffused with happiness had thought this is all perfectly simple and in proportion i don't want anything better he also associated the feeling with the newly dead in battle as if they alone saw what manner of place the world was when his thoughts and recollections were beginning to make the game difficult to endure somebody began to play upon the piano he looked up it was mrs ingman natalia asked do you wish to listen to her yes he said getting up i am terribly tired he spoke the truth he was terribly tired he sat down again and shading his eyes with his hand shut them the war had come back upon him and he was in distress mrs ingman did not play brilliantly it was difficult to say what she played but whatever it might be it sounded like flowers falling out of a blue sky or clear streams in deep green woods and all the delicate beauties of a spring day such as they had had she sang sometimes softly as she played smith opened his eyes and throwing back his head folded his arms upon his breast to listen and yet not to listen but to dream and forget the war her music said natalia does not belong to us smith found nothing supernatural in it it was not even strange and yet to his mind so exquisitely right though maybe only a few random wanderings upon the piano by reason it seemed of her touch upon the keys that it must be the origin of those echoes of perfection which he had heard in the past he thought he must get up and come closer to that source of happiness which like that of a wide river here welled up a little spring he thereupon rose and stood in the middle of the room near the piano after a few minutes he said quite spontaneously rosa ingman she took her hands off the keys and looked at him so calmly that he thought for a moment she was as her husband said mad he loves music she said play to him karin no it is thy music said natalia he is bewitched look at him as he stands like a totem-pole in the middle of the room tell him said mrs ingman if he will let you play i will talk to him why he cannot understand a word of norwegian cried natalia nevertheless i wish to talk to him said rosa ingman and rising came over to smith and put both her small hands on his breast he became at once terrified of losing command over himself as when she had touched him before and said hopelessly in german please please she took her right hand away and said in her own tongue as she gently gesticulated there is nothing to fear natalia sat watching them spellbound come said rosa ingman now to smith sit down and smoke thy cigarette he understood the word cigarette and giving his actions over into her hands followed her and sat down with her upon a board settee near the stove opposite ingman hilda sat near by embroidering but mrs ingman took not the slightest notice of her she put her hand confidently and trustfully in smith's and again he thought she must be a little simple-minded there was nothing coquettish or amorous in any of her actions she behaved as if they were her ordinary and natural actions of every day the presence of others made it impossible for smith to act as he spontaneously desired beyond that one ejaculation rosa ingman he had said and done nothing that he wished 
he imagined if they were alone it would be possible for him to converse with her or in excess of demonstrative passion to regain his self-possession all that he could realize now was that he loved her to madness without knowing her and madly wished to possess her that only was clear to him everything else was insignificant terror seized him as he said to himself that this belonged to the impossible for which the only price was her life and his his terror mingled itself with old terrors and became scarcely supportable he was not himself to-night his mind was tired and his heart full of past long conquered shadows which lurked again upon the heels of the present enemy to destroy him it was a long time since he had desired anything so madly during the war in the months before he was wounded he had been possessed by an obsession to become the father of a child when the danger was at its worst his obsession gripped him the harder this life only became valuable to him for this one purpose he ceased to exist for himself but as the father of a child to bear his name after he was wounded it had passed away never to return now he must have this woman to whomsoever she belonged howsoever difficult of attainment and he was ready to write creation away to get her natalia was playing the piano and rosa ingman was talking to him quietly he neither understood nor heard at last his position became intolerable he got up and going over to the window separated the curtains a little and stared at the dark glass natalia stopped playing she wished to run up to him and say you have made me your friend what is the matter but she was unable to do so as he seemed to have gone out of her world hilda looked at her mother she felt that her mother was above all criticism that she must as usual be left to act in her own way which lay over different ground from that of herself there was finality and completeness and yet freedom in all that rosa ingman did and said and it was not in the least like the words or actions of any other person presently there came to smith at the window as if out of the curtains that he held the words how do i know she will never be mine what he asked himself you fool such things are impossible impossible his self inquired how because i am he thought on the whole a decent man and he ceased to talk with himself and gazed in astonishment at the vision of civilization which appeared as if reflected from his eyes upon the window-pane inexorable social law and religious law and law of morality forbade even the thought of love between himself and this woman whose husband had invited him into his house he felt the whole weight of the superficial world upon him if he remained still he could just support it if he moved it would crush him against that deep natural desire which had suddenly sprung in his heart he thought again in the eyes of nature rosa ingman was only a woman himself only a man with the rest of her affairs he as a man could and would not concern himself he was bold enough and strong enough for that but wait he thought i have only just seen her i have not been denied her except by my imagination has she not given me every freedom has not ingman seconded every gesture and glance of hers which have been perfectly natural without concession to me of anything but my freedom fool in this house you are a free man free he said to himself and went and sat down deliberately again by rosa ingman rosa ingman he said you have set me free he says you have set him free said hilda to her mother and mrs ingman looked at him as if she understood all his thoughts 
Old Ingman, who was now awake, said, Yes, Rosa sets everything free, sets the wind free, dost thou not, Rosa? I am glad, said Mrs. Ingman, that is as it should be. Tell him, she said to her husband, that I will take him a walk tomorrow. We two will be alone together, and then we shall get to understand one another. I love him, Carl, I love him very much. Well, well, said old Ingman, Rosa Christensen was always right and added to smith in english my wife will take you for a walk tomorrow morning end of chapter four recording by expatriate in bangor maine